Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. At school football and basketball games, often we hear the cheerleaders or the crowd shouting, We've got spirit, how about you? And you know, as Christians, certainly we have a lot of spirit. But you know, we also have the spirit. The Spirit of God, that Holy Spirit that first came upon the disciples long ago at Pentecost and then has come upon all God's children throughout the ages as they have been baptized, as Hayden was this morning, and received that special gift. Recently, I I bought some kind of paste that's used to, to kill ants that you have in your house and And I was reading the instructions, and it said to activate the poison, take a toothpick, and stir it up. Well, four years ago, most of you as graduates were here on a different occasion on your Confirmation Sunday, and you were gathered around the altar railing here. And at that time, we prayed that the Father in heaven would stir up in you the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are many times in life we do need to be stirred up. We know that we've had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've had that that gift, that third person of the Trinity in our lives, in our hearts from that time when we are baptized. But the question we as graduates and as a congregation need to ask ourselves From time to time, have I allowed the Spirit to be stirred up in my life? Has that power been activated? Have I experienced his power in my day-to-day living? You see, that's what being a Christian is all about, is to understand that we have an extra power that the people of the world that are not Christians do not have. We can't experience that power, you see, if... The spirit of the world controls us. It's like an eagle that sat down on the frozen ground to feed upon its prey. And when it tried to fly away, it it found that its great wings had frozen to the ice. And that eagle could not rise and soar again and eventually died in that place. So many Christians, it seems like, have flirted with the world to the point where they don't have the strength to rise to their heavenly calling and soar. As we will sing following the message today, God wants to raise you up on eagles' wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun and hold you in the palm of his hand. And, of course, that song, those words are based on that wonderful text that Allison read for us a moment ago from Isaiah 40. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will, they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Well, what do we do as we soar through life, whether we're 18 years old, or whether we're older. Our heavenly calling, of course, is to love 
and to serve God and our neighbor. As Christian young people, you have been in that training mode for a long time now. It really started way back in kindergarten. For you see, as a Christian, education from kindergarten through 12th grade and beyond is not a process we go through, of course, just to get a good job, to make a good living so we can buy things. Education, you see, from a spiritual point of view, is a process by which we learn about God's great world and how he has chosen to take the talents he has given us to serve humanity. That's really what education is all about. I recently heard about uh, the story about Arnold Billy, who is a rural mail uh, carrier in New Jersey. For 25 years, he has traveled every day 63 miles on his route. But he not only delivers mail, but he serves the people on his route, especially those who can't get out. And he brings them stamps and money orders and so on. When he pulled up one day to put the mail in a certain mailbox, he noticed that one of the ladies on his route was having a hard time starting her mower. And so he got out of the mail truck and helped start the mower. I don't know if you've ever done that, Rick. That's what being a servant of God is all about. When people see us going out of our way to serve, sometimes they'll ask us, what, why are you doing this for me? And that, you see, provides an opportunity to witness to them about our friend and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gives us the motivation and the example to serve our fellow man. So all of us, from time to time, need to ask ourselves that question whether we're graduates or whether we've been in the workforce for many years. The question is, am I seeking to use my education and my life to show people around me that I desire to have a servant heart? We see self-centered humanism dominating our culture in so many ways today. T.S. Eliot wrote an epitaph called For a Godless People. And he writes, this is the epitaph. Here lies decent, godless people, their only monument, the asphalt road, and a thousand lost golf balls. That's it. So what do you want people to remember about you someday when you're gone? You know, there's a lot of decent people out there, and that's good. But many of them don't have the Spirit of God guiding and directing their lives. So what plans do you graduates have, and what plans do all of us have for the years ahead to grow in the Spirit and in our relationship with Christ? I hope you as graduates will take the light of Christ to your college dorms and classrooms, to your work or wherever the Lord calls you. Paul challenges not only people that are going through transitions in their lives, but all of us in the words 
that he wrote to his congregation in Philippi when he said to them, You are to live clean, innocent lives as children of God in a dark world full of people who are crooked and stubborn. Shine out among them like beacon lights, holding out to them the words of life. For God is at work within you, helping you to want to obey him and then helping you to do what he wants. And of course, we only can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. While we certainly see courage and power in the lives of these first disciples of our Lord in our second lesson today, we're told that there were multitudes of Jews from every part of the world that had gathered there in this city of Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost, which was celebrated to remind the people of the giving of the law and the founding of Israel, and also it was a time to celebrate the harvest. Well, certainly, it was an appropriate time for the Holy Spirit to come upon these disciples and to dwell in their hearts, these first believers. It's interesting. Just as Jesus transformed the Jewish Passover into the Lord's Supper, So now on Pentecost, he transforms the celebration of the founding of Israel now to the founding of the Christian church. And we celebrate that today as we see by our banner and our red pyramids. Through the Spirit's work, the disciples and many of those who gathered together that day long ago became brothers and sisters in Christ, bonded together as followers of Jesus and members of the family of God. The Spirit, even 2,000 years later, is still drawing people together. In the church, hopefully, we feel the love of Christ and the love of others around us. And I know many of you have been remembering these young people in your prayers throughout their lives especially since they dedicated their life to Christ four years ago at this altar railing. That's what the church is about, praying for and loving each other, and hopefully we all can feel that. You know, on that first Pentecost Sunday, the disciples were given the courage and the ability to speak to the crowds in their native languages. Those 11 disciples went out from there in the months and years ahead by the power of the Holy Spirit and turned the world upside down. Now, soon you graduates are going to be scattered around the state and around the country and even maybe around the world. And I pray that you will have an impact on that world with the knowledge your education has given you. But even more important, I pray that you will have an impact on the world with the power the Holy Spirit has given you. And he has given you some power. I remember when I graduated way back in 1970, one of our speakers said to the crowd at commencement, now it's our turn to make the world better. And I think of that often. It's been a lot of years since I graduated, and some of you here graduated from high school 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, or more years ago, 
And I guess the question we need to ask ourselves, too, is how have we been doing? We took that challenge, most of us, when we were 18, to make the world a better place. How are we doing? The Holy Spirit wants to be at work through us, even if we're getting up in years. He can still use us to change the world around us. It's like playing golf on a course that you've never played before. It's really helpful to have someone in your foursome who has played that course before and can tell you where the sand traps are and where the flags are positioned. They've been there before and they can give you some good insights. You will do better in life, graduates, if you take with you in the years ahead the advice and spirit of those who have had an impact on your life up to this point. But it's even more important to take the Holy Spirit with you, for he promises to go with you, and that's something your parents and others that you trust can't do. They can't go with you and be with you all the time, but you see, the Holy Spirit can, and he promises to nudge you here and there and direct you and guide you, and he, he's been doing that already. Most of you have chosen a particular plan for the summer and for the fall. That's not just you making that decision. I believe the Holy Spirit's been nudging you and giving you peace about that decision. You are loved. You are cherished by your family and your church family. Most of all, God loves you and desires to give you the power of the Spirit to serve him wherever he leads you. May you go out and change the world by the power of the Holy Spirit, but with a servant heart so that you can witness to others around you what is in your heart.